Welcome to Old Fashioned Finance, the podcast that mixes cocktails and high finance. I'm your host, Jason Demland, and I am joined as always and in the future by my good friend and fellow money muddler, Caleb Frankert. Jason, can a podcast about finance be entertaining? Not without alcohol. Well, all right, let's mix it up. Caleb, how are you, man? Good. It's really cold outside. It's cold. It's winter. <laughs> We're freezing. My fingers hurt. Yeah. Oh, mine too. I had to put a little bit of uh, air in a tire, and I didn't have gloves, and they that was an hour ago. You know, right now, today, a wife, that, a, wife a oh. Christmas gift that my <laughs> wife gave to me is really paying off, and it was a pair of Duluth trading gloves. Oh, yeah. And I they're those. extra, they extra nice. large, and I have weird-shaped hands, so my palms are really big. And my fingers are pretty long, mm-hmm. but they're very, very thin. Yeah. They're dainty. They're dainty. <laughs> <laughs> so those, those gloves fit pretty good, but they're made for a much bigger man. Mm. But so I, you're, I usually have a hard time with gloves. Huh? A little. Just, you know, lengthwise, I'm real good, but width. The worst thing about nice gloves is when you get nice gloves, you lose them. I haven't yet. It's well, been good. almost two weeks, and I am crushing it. Hey, and other good news, I, uh, I want a bottle of Pappy. Yes. In Ohio, <laughs> listeners and viewers, in Ohio, we have a lottery for allocated bourbons that are really hard to get. Caleb has entered four lotteries since he's been hunting bourbon. Four altogether. Yes, he's four. won half of the time, <laughs> which irritates everyone else a lot. Uh, this last one was some some pappy. Yeah. Uh, Van Winkle Special Reserve, 12 year. So it's not like, you know, the pappy 23, like the yeah. way up there heavy hitter. I don't know. Some people call it crappy pappy, but I think it's still it's still pappy, baby. It's still pappy. And, you know, you get to buy it at a uh, sticker price, which is 80 bucks. So yeah. it beats the heck out of the 1800 or $2,400 that it's going for in other states or online to try a little bit of it. There's no way it can live up to expectations, I'm sure. This is a financial advice podcast. Yeah, I would just not recommend paying won. more than. Well, I haven't had it yet. I haven't tasted well, it. Well, so. you haven't sold it though either, and you um, won. You paid eighty dollars for something you could turn a profit on. Well, technically, it would be illegal for me. There to There it sell is. It. We don't do illegal <laughs> things. Also, um, I look at it this way: I could sell it and make a profit, or I could just say, "Well, I got a eighteen hundred dollar bottle of bourbon that was on sale for eighty dollars. I just had to win a lottery to get it." And then you can enjoy the bourbon. <laughs> I'm excited about it. I think that uh, maybe we'll try that out on the show one of these days. Hey, all right, I'm on the show usually. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so maybe maybe that'll be a good one when all three of us are on because those are always really fun ones. Um, <laughs> so let's talk just a little bit. Set up the episode here today, Jason. Yeah, absolutely. We've got a drink we do we've got a finance topic as per the usual <laughs> we're gonna mix cocktails and high finance today that's right i'm, I'm excited to talk about these because this is something i probably wouldn't normally drink but i've heard of and mm-hmm. uh we're also talking about financial topics that i hear of all the time that i don't necessarily talk about all the time yeah it's fun i think this will be fun all so right. let's talk just a little bit about the drink uh today if my wife is lef- listening we are mixing up her favorite cocktail the rum ricky all right. So is this a, this is a retirement rum rum time this episode? This is right? retirement rum time. We're talking about retirement. Yes, and we got a rum drink. Yeah, rum we're Ricky. we're gonna talk about retirement. And uh, you know, if if you've ever browsed uh, Yahoo Finance or mm-hmm. CNBC or whatever your financial news source may be, uh, Motley Fool, uh, all those sites, you you're bound to a couple of times a year see one of those articles that says how much money should you have saved by your twenties, your thirties, your forties. 
all that. Uh, there's a new iteration of it every couple yeah. of months, and I always read it. <laughs> well, you're bound to want to know if you're on the right track, yeah. and you'll, you're going to run into one of those kinds of articles if you ask the internet, am I doing okay? It's yeah. going to lead you in those directions. So I think it's a great thing to talk about on this show. Yeah, the latest one that I, I found was from November or something. I saw it pop up on my Yahoo Finance. I read it, and I go, you know what? This would be a fun topic for the podcast. We're going to talk about it. Kind of talk about what we like about those kind of articles, what we don't like. Yeah. And, uh, you know, hopefully you don't beat yourself up too bad. Or if maybe you're crushing it compared you to be. these newbie yeah. goals that they have. So we'll so see. That, that's what we're going to do today. Why don't we get into the drink recipe, Jason? All right. Let's mix it up. All right. The Rum Ricky cocktail. Uh, and I know that you've looked at this one has some history. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, we, we haven't gotten into history on some of the more recent cocktails been kind of holiday themed you know they've just been fun fun recipes but this one's got some history uh the rum ricky before we jump into the history part of it uh let's talk about what we've got here well yeah. we've got rum <laughs> yes and you know we haven't tried these yet but what we made today is uh one and a half ounces of light rum uh we use just the bacardi superior i think yeah we have a half of an ounce of lime juice we've got two ounces of club soda and I Ice. didn't have any lime wedges. Uh, we should have garnished this with a lime wedge. For those of you viewing at home, it would be a lot prettier with a little lime in there floating. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, it's not pretty. It looks like cloudy water. Eh. <laughs> it's all right. I've seen more attractive drinks. Yeah. We'll, we'll take a sip of that here in a little bit, but, uh. Can we do it now? Yeah, yeah. Let's take let's a sip. It, but save the reaction. Okay. Imbibe. Right. We should cheers. Don't. Cheers, buddy. Cheers. Hmm. Good. Now we can, hmm. uh, Drink about it while we talk about it. Yeah, let's do that. So there's some history to this one, Jason. Why don't you take it away? I consulted David Wondrich's imbibe book. Mm -hmm. And Great this, book. this cocktail does does have not controversy. It's pretty straightforward. I guess the controversy would be where exactly it first was made. But Wondrich is, is pretty clear on where he thinks that is. Mm -hmm. and, and most people agree on that. But the, the rum ricky is related to the gin ricky, yes. which is... An iteration of the Joe Ricky, okay. who is a person, <laughs> a colonel, All right. and a politician, uh, who you know who was in uh, the Civil War. Uh huh. He's a Confederate Army uh, guy, oh, so okay. you know, not not the good side. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> he invented a cooler, a type of drink that would be classified as a cooler that he commanded bartenders to make for him all over the place, and and Wondrich basically. Uh, Says, he walked into a bar and was said, "I'm a veteran, dang it!" Yeah, pretty much, <laughs> like I'm a colonel. Uh, he he went uh, to uh, Hoffman House, Gilsey House, uh, bro a Broadway hotel called the New York, Joe Chamberlain's in Washington, St. James Hotel in New York, Southern Hotel in St. Louis, and all these places claim to have been where the Joe Ricky or Gin Ricky was created. And Wonders is like, I have no doubt that Joe Ricky commanded these guys to make him this <laughs> drink in each of these restaurants. Uh, but the main one was the, you have it with you? I can't find it. Shoe, shoemakers. Shoemakers. Shoemakers That's in DC, yep. which makes a lot of sense. A resort. Yes. Air quotes. <laughs> Fancy. <laughs> so that's, that's basically where it first started. He invented this drink. And it's this is the kind of drink you would expect there to be some sugar in or some mm -hmm. simple syrup. And you will notice that that was absent when Caleb described the ingredients. And the reason for that, Joe Ricky says, is that sugar warms the blood. And it's not good for you. This drink <laughs> cools the blood. 
and therefore is healthful okay. and beneficial to you. Dr. Colonel Joe Ricky. <laughs> He's a colonel, dang it. <laughs> I'm a veteran. <laughs> oh, that's fun. Yeah, so so that's what I got. Uh, um, Kansas did not like this drink when it came out. Mm-hmm. It said when uh, in the Kansas City Star in 1890 said, when a Kansas man orders a Joe Ricky, he instructs the barkeeper to leave out the ice, the lime juice. Oh. And the soda. Um, also, that's I didn't a whiskey say, neat, right? Yeah, this is a whiskey neat. It was originally made with whiskey. Okay, I don't think yeah. I said that. Um, Joe Ricky did have it initially with whiskey, mm-hmm. but eventually everybody started using gin instead, and he he succumbed to that. And in fact, wrote a recipe into the Syracuse Evening Herald to say how to make the official Joe Ricky, and he said whiskey or gin ah. and the lime juice and carbonated water. Don't drink too much. That's what that was on the recipe. <laughs> yeah, I, I did a little research on this too, and I, I saw that this was originally a whiskey drink, whiskey and soda. Yep. And uh, the bar, I think one of the stories I read said uh, that one of the bartenders said, Hey, you ever think about a little bit of lime juice in there? Oh, all right. And I, it sounds like uh, Colonel Ricky argued with the bartender a little bit, and uh, he made it anyway. And uh, then it, it had his name on it. But early on, there were some rumblings. Uh, the Wikipedia article I read. Yeah, I went real deep. Wikipedia. Wikipedia probably consulted all the better sources. <laughs> Said at the beginning he was unhappy with the uh, drink that had his name on it, um, and definitely opposed the whole gin thing. Yeah. Uh, but in the late 1800s, uh, closer to the turn of the century, gin became really, really popular. And they, I think, the whole reason we know about this in the first place is the gin ricky became super popular oh, yeah. in the 20s. Uh, huge it, summer it, drink. I think it was in that uh, in the Great Gatsby, maybe even. Oh, um, I believe it. It's uh, fun to Really, say. really popular during the Roaring Twenties. Um, so, yeah, interesting. Um, it, now, speaking of history, uh, everything that I read said that he met a an unfortunate demise. Yeah, uh, David Wondrich simply says that he had some financial troubles and other troubles, and in 1907 or 1903 early 1900s he drank some carbonic acid oh that doesn't sound and good. died <laughs> so i i don't know what that is and i didn't want to look it up but it seems bad for you yeah and that's tragic and sad you that, know not a very exciting way to end that <laughs> I, I yeah that it was sad uh it sounds like he was kind of miserable um but you know it did lead to the gin ricky which was very popular like i said in the great gatsby actually it appeared in chapter seven Oh, okay, cool. The Glenn Miller Orchestra also recorded a song called The Jukebox Saturday Night. Uh, And in the lyrics, uh, there's uh, mopping up soda rickies to our heart's delight, dancing to swingaroo quickies jukebox Saturday night. So it was very popular in the roaring swinging 20s. Swingaroo quickies. Yeah. Hey, you know, um, I know uh, it's (laughs) getting time to move on to the finance topic, but the way that I came across the the rum ricky, say I want to say gin ricky, is I actually uh, was making mojitos quite a bit. You remember way back, I think yeah. it was maybe the first retirement rum time episode we did. Yes. And I, I was making those during the summer, and my wife said, that's pretty good, but it's a little bit sweet. Mm-hmm. What if you take out the simple syrup? I said, okay, let's try that. She goes, I like that better. Get rid of the mint, too. And I go, well, now you're not drinking a mojito anymore. <laughs> this isn't a mojito. So she goes, what am I drinking anyway? So I punched those uh, ingredients, basically the rum, the uh, club soda, and uh, lime juice. And Ricky, you're drinking a Ricky of some sort. That's a Ricky. I think that uh, 
along with you know moving from a whiskey ricky to a or, or the joe ricky right. uh to a gin ricky to a rum ricky you could probably do this with tequila and some other things if you wanted stay in the ricky family it's all coolers they're it's, coolers they're coolers. there's no sugar it's uh because they cool the blood which yes, is beneficial which is better for you better <laughs> than carbonic acid i oh. think so uh, yeah, so interesting drink, not a lot of ingredients. I think you could take your liquor of choice, except for vodka, because vodka, vodka sucks. sucks. <laughs> uh, and, and make a Ricky of some sort. I don't know. Um, liquor of choice, lime juice, club soda. You got yourself a Ricky. I'd like to try a whiskey Ricky, Joe Ricky, after trying this. And I don't think I've had a gin Ricky either. So we might as well do it. But what do you think about the rum Ricky, Caleb? Uh, I did have a gin Ricky at home while oh, I did? was trying this stuff out. I like the rum Ricky. I think it's pretty refreshing. And rum is one of those liquors or spirits that is really, it's very non-intrusive. Yeah. Uh, it, it's um, it's pleasant. I mean, it, it goes down pretty quick. We don't drink enough rum. We really don't. Therefore, we don't do enough retirement rum times. We need more retirement topics. These are fun, always fun episodes. Yeah. Um, yeah, I like it. It's refreshing. It would be really good in the summertime, I think. I, I'd add this to the the list of rum-based drinks that I would like to try yeah. more often or have more often in the summer. It's weird on this single-digit day <laughs> with uh, sub-zero wind chills to have. Yeah. But, it, you know, it's still good. It's cool in my blood, which is making my hands very, very cold. <laughs> but it's good for you, so... <laughs> Uh, let's talk about this article a little bit. If you've read one, you've kind of read them all. Yeah. But it's one of those, hey, by the age of 30, how much should I have? By the age of 40, how much should I have? Just to make sure that you're on track. Yeah. The article that I'm referring to actually was on, I think it was on CNBC's website. It was uh, basically taking some uh, numbers from Fidelity uh, and saying, okay, well, according to what Fidelity's saying, this is really where you should be. Uh, yeah. Our, we got to give credit to the, the person who wrote the article. They They kind of quoted a lot of other information so uh, her name's elizabeth gravier i think this was an article from november 3rd 2020 it could be elizabeth gravier probably yeah that's um so this was november 3rd 2021 if you want to find the article on cnbc you can but really if you're trying to find an article similar to this you won't have any trouble finding it so jason a dime a dozen what what, how how do you feel about these types of articles in the first place i always click on it whenever i see the link Uh, they're great i want to see what people are going to say i want to know i like everyone else want to know if i am on the right track personally Uh, they are they're satisfying in that they exist but mostly they are unsatisfying because they give no real there's no nuance there are so many variables to this you cannot you cannot give an answer about how much money Everyone should have by the time they're 30 to be okay. So as long as you know that this is a generalization, then I guess they're fun. They're still not very helpful, I don't think. They're fun. They can be kind of a, a goal, I guess. Uh, I mean, I, again, I read it every time I see an updated article. I think that, you know, there's some, there's some good and bad to it. I, I, like anything that's just basically throwing a rule of thumb out there. What you got to be careful of, this is not necessarily a hard and fast rule for your life, for your finances, yeah. because like we say so often, <laughs> well, it depends. It depends on a lot of different variables, yeah. right? Absolutely. So, yeah, I mean, these articles are fun, uh, yeah. and you might love these articles then. You might find that you're way behind and you hate these stupid articles in the first place, but again, it's. I think the big thing is you got to make sure you're saving and you're investing. Yeah. 
you should have something probably. We'll talk about but there's better things yeah. probably after we go maybe, through maybe these. Maybe a better barometer. Let's let's yeah. get right into the numbers based on this article. Um, yeah, I'm interested. You know, they they really all these articles seem to skip over your 20s because they realize that you're probably just paying off student loans and trying to find a job and, and get out of your parents' basement. And, yeah, yeah, and <laughs> you probably aren't going to have anything saved. Um, I would say in general, when we meet with folks, uh, if you've got a retirement savings in your 20s, you're probably ahead of most. You're people way your ahead age. of this. But age of 30, okay, this article, and like a lot of them, uh, basically says that you should have the equivalent of your current annual salary saved uh, by age 30. So at the end of your 20s, after you've bought a house maybe or gotten married, I don't know, those things seem to be happening a lot later. They definitely are. Um, gotten a, a, a big kid job, those types of things. You should have one year's worth of salary uh, saved uh, in a retirement account. So by, you know, an example, if you're making $55,000 a year by age 30, they're saying you should have $55,000 saved. Sure, why not? All right. Sounds so, good. Uh, yeah, that sounds good. Um, how often do we see a 30-year-old with their salary saved? I don't know. I think we probably have selection bias because the people that come to us are usually savers. It's not that common. I I would say, well, but we've both worked at uh, different firms in the past mm-hmm. at the bank and things like I, I, I What I think is we either meet people at age 30 who have nothing but debt. <laughs> that's <laughs> not really just age 30, yeah. though. That's most. Well, ages. That, that's a good point. I, I feel like at age 30, there's either nothing or maybe even over this. Yeah. Uh, so, again, this is just kind of on average. Um, but, yeah, one time salary by age of 30. Mm, I don't know. Uh, you still have a lot of time to uh, to really yeah. make you know create some damage, wreak some havoc. Not right? if you want to retire at, at thirty five. Well, that's true. <laughs> age forty, though, uh, so ten years after the fact, they say you ought to have three times your annual income. So fifty five thousand would be a hundred and sixty five thousand. Oh, is that right? Yeah, close enough. Okay, by age forty, and we're we're just basing it off this article, fifty five thousand dollars. And what do you think about that one, Jason? I don't know. <laughs> it's all right, I guess. I suppose three times your income. Let's just say you make a hundred thousand dollars a year when you're forty. You need three hundred grand. Why not? Sounds good, right? <laughs> uh, by age fifty, they say you should have six times your income. Okay. All right. So all right. I'm not going to do the math there. Three hundred and thirty thousand. Let's do a hundred thousand dollars you make when you're fifty. <laughs> That's what I choose to do. So six hundred thousand dollars at a hundred thousand dollar a year salary. You're getting no raises from 40 to 70. Right, right. That's that's the big thing. (laughs) So these numbers should be going up exponentially because you you ought to be getting raises from, uh, let's see, age 30 to age 67. Yeah. Otherwise, you probably picked the wrong career. Uh, So age 60, they say eight times your income. And by age 67, which right now, I guess they're using that number because that's full retirement age for a lot of folks. Full Social Security retirement age. Yeah. 10 times your income at that point. You need 10 times your income at age 67 to retire. Who says that? Nobody. No. I just said it with a with a Tennessee twang. Oh, okay. I, I For was no reason. Say, I, don't, I don't remember that, but uh, <laughs> I guess I don't listen every day. No reason. Okay. I, what are you... Let, let's talk about it. What are your thoughts on this in general? Um, I, I guess, is this helpful at all? I would love to see the math behind all of this. What's the data that led to this conclusion? So here... I, I don't know. Little, you never see it in these. I articles. get perturbed because we do this for individuals, for families, mm-hmm. often, and there are so many different inputs and so many different outputs 
to be able to just give a guess. And it's still just a guess yeah. because of the amount of variables on if you're going to have enough money to retire. Let's talk about those variables. What, what are some of the variables? The biggest ones are your current income, mm-hmm. your expenses for the rest of your life, what yeah. they're going to be. You don't know that, but mm-hmm. if we did, that would help us. And when you're going to die. Well, that's a big one. Those are huge expenses. And when you're going to die, I always joke with people. It's like, I can give you a perfect plan if I know what all of your expenses are going to be. And when you're going to die, I can figure this up and it will be pretty dang perfect. I I always tell people, if you have an expiration date printed on you somewhere, this is going to be easy. Yeah. We, we can, we can, we got this. But aside from just that, it's lifestyle, what you value. Mm-hmm. How much do you want to give away? How much do you want to leave to your kids? How much, how much do you want to spend on your house? Are you going to move? Are you going to sell your house? Mm-hmm. Like, there are too many variables to even count. Yeah. So that's why these numbers are just ridiculously useless. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that there can be, uh, here, here's where I think that there's a benefit possibly to this. It gets you thinking about things. Okay. Right? Yeah. Uh, because how many times do we talk to folks who go, I don't know. I'm putting some money away. I I hope I'm doing okay. <laughs> I, I think I'm doing all right. I hope. So I they're like, am I doing okay? Uh, you should have $50,000. Hold on. Let me dust yeah. this article. You just get that out like, well, you should have this much. And then it gets them going, dang, I don't have enough. That makes me think we have a friend who is doing an insane diet. To like to get some better blood work, work yeah, right? Yeah. And he's like, it's like he's cramming for a test. It is. Um, but I, I was talking to him, and I was like, so what's your goal? And he's like, well, I pushed my doctor. Like, how many calories should I eat? And the doc- he said the doctor just got fed up, and I was like, you really want to know? Eight hundred. Eight hundred is your number. Oh, and the I'm doctor like, told him. Yeah, that? I'm like, that's a ridiculous number. And he said it just to make him start thinking. Like, wow, this is a big issue. Yeah, I need to starve. There's basically. a there's a bigger problem here. <laughs> yeah, than just so cutting a few things for out. that yeah. for that reason to get you to think about it. Though I think it's a very charitable and generous mm-hmm. thought process that gets you to think. Yeah, this is helpful. Um, maybe there is some some benefit to that because you actually think i'm ahead but on the flip side there's some danger there oh thinking yeah. that you're fine if you have three hundred thousand dollars when you're 40 for no good reason like mm-hmm. that might not be enough at all uh you know the other thing is uh let's say you're age 40 and you've got three times your income saved you say congratulations i'm doing all right yeah. well the next check-in is at age 50 <laughs> what do you got to do if this is set in stone this is a rule of thumb yeah but what do you got to do to get from three to six times like what th- there's no there's no instruction there's no okay well, now, according you need to, to the rule of this. 72 you if be- you're invested a well diversified portfolio that's returning another seven percent in 10 years you should be able to double your money double yeah. doesn't everybody know that well okay yeah but but what the variable we're not taking into account here is additions oh right so i'm saying they're, they're not i did not showing, take that they're not they're account. not showing the blueprint there no they're not right in 10 years you need to triple your money you need to right yeah and then what I think is strange is you go from age 50, uh, six times your income, right? Which is double what you needed at age 40, according to this, three times. You go 10 more years out, age 60, you ought to have eight times. That doesn't make sense to me. The math on that doesn't make sense at all. There's probably compounding something, something. It seems like you ought to be able to do better than that. I think that, that they are rules of thumb. Because they're they're probably using the old adage of uh, or the old thought process of income now equating mm-hmm. income in retirement, what you'll need to spend, and then reducing it by a factor that Social Security replaces, and the average pension, you know, all that stuff. So that there's another there. thing, another variable that we didn't talk about. There's a lot of variables we didn't talk about, but one being 
how, how do you know how much in- income you can generate? You know, yeah. and we look at our clients' portfolios where we are generating income and we know roughly how much we can reasonably in, in our forecasts, uh, distribute mm-hmm. how much income we can generate from a portfolio. But that number isn't necessarily going to be the same, you know, 10 years down the road. We don't know. It's something that's always changing. So, uh, again, yeah, these are projections. They're rules of thumb. Some of them I don't think are very well thought out at all. Um, something it doesn't talk about at all in these articles is another variable that I think, especially in your 20s and 30s and, and 40s, how much debt you have is really important in, yeah. in this whole mix. I was going right? to say, so Caleb, what, what's a, what are the most important things to know? We've got these numbers. They're okay. Mm-hmm. Knowing your amount of debt. That should be zero. And I don't even want to put like an age on it. I want to say yeah. as this soon is reti- as possible. This ASAP is, retirement- is possible. Yeah, ASAP <laughs> is possible. This is Michael retirement Scott. rum time. Your retirement date is fluid, especially nowadays. Lots and lots of millennial aged people, Gen yeah. Xers are saying, why do I work until 60 or 65? Yeah, I get it. I get, I get Medicare at 65 or more social security. But what if I, what if I don't wait until then to do what I really want to do? Mm-hmm. And if that's the case, you've got an earlier time horizon. You probably do need to save more. The number one place to go is zero debt. You should yeah. have zero debt. That's the best number to have. Well, this is a retirement rum time episode. Going back to one of our previous episodes, we talked about maybe five things you must do yeah. before retiring. And getting out of debt was the first thing that Absolutely we talked about. It is. It's so much easier when you take that variable out of the mix, especially if you've got uh, adjustable rate debt. Oh, that's uh, horrible. Credit cards, arms on your mortgage, things yeah. like that. Uh, that That's a huge variable in all of this. Yeah. I mean, if you can get to retirement with no debt, we can we can work with that. It comes down to budgeting at that point. Do you remember those old, I think it was ING commercials. So ING is now Voya, whatever. We don't have it's to talk about them. It's something else now too. Uh, but do you remember the uh, what's your number commercials? Oh, yeah. That, that's what these articles remind me of. Yeah. What's your number? And I that was a, a pretty powerful ad campaign because... I can remember for years clients asking me, hey, help me figure out my number. I just need to know what to get. Lots of people do that. Uh, uh, the Dave Ramsey group was doing the retirement quotient or whatever. They, you had a bunch of inputs mm-hmm. and then they threw that you need this much mo- money to retire. Yeah. So let's lump that in with these types of articles. Are they okay. valuable? Sure, there's some value to it. It gets think you so. thinking about things. Um, what it's not taking into account, in my opinion, is behaviors behaviors right it it doesn't focus on behaviors at all what you're basically looking at is well how do i get to this magic number and then retirement takes care of itself Mm -hmm. well not if you not if you're a crazy spender not if you can't budget well and even that it's like it's usually based on expenses that you put in well i'm spending four thousand dollars a month right now right fine but you know how many changes are going to happen over your lifetime and the inflation rate on medical expenses yeah um let alone other things that regular not fine, high finance people yeah. don't necessarily always think about. You know, another thing we're not taking into account here is our self-employed folks, right? Yeah. You know, uh, and I know I talk to a lot of folks in, in that uh, space mm-hmm. who say, hey, look, I, I guess I don't have a big fat 401k, but I've got this valuable business that I've built that's too. That's producing income and may continue right. to for the rest of their lives or that they can sell. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of things that they're not really taking into account here. Let's talk real quick. So these maybe they're helpful. They get the conversation started. They get you thinking about things a little bit. What do you? What are some things that you think are a better barometer for uh, really gauging where you're at? Oh, that's process? what I was saying. Uh, getting out of debt. Okay, there's a way better barometer. 
Knowing your expenses is mm-hmm. a way better barometer. Being able to actually project your expenses. Yeah. yeah. And then and then actually being able to calculate an expected income, uh, which would be an expected rate of return on the assets that you have. So whether that's from selling it, whether that's from annuitizing it, whether that's from living off of dividends and interest, there's lots of different ways to do it, but you have to be able to calculate it. Yeah. So fun articles. Uh, I guess it's okay. It gets the conversation going. It should should lead to a conversation with your financial planner to help. Make yeah, sure you're I, on we're track. really biased. I think you should talk <laughs> to somebody who nerds out about this stuff. Uh, we would love to talk to people about this. It's what we talk about every day. It's That's what fun. we do. Well, Jason, I think that was fun, just yeah. like the article is fun, but it's time to close out the tab. So thanks for having a drink with us this week, folks. It's time to close out the tab. If you have a question or a topic you want addressed on the Old Fashioned Finance Podcast, be sure to email us at speakeasy at oldfashionedfinance.com. We'd love to hear from you. Don't forget to share the show with someone you love or someone who needs a little money muddling themselves. You can stay up to date with all of the latest action by following us on Facebook and Instagram. Old Fashioned Finance is brought to you by Blue Jay Financial Group. That's bluejfg.com and produced by Pottery Studios. We've been your hosts, Jason and Caleb. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> Cheers. 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 <laughs>Blue Jay Financial Group, LLC, Blue Jay, is a registered investment advisor registered with the state of Ohio. Registration does not imply a certain level of skill or training. The presence of this advertisement on this podcast shall not be directly or indirectly interpreted as a solicitation of investment advisory services to persons of another jurisdiction unless otherwise permitted by statute. Follow-up or individualized responses to consumers in a particular state by Blue Jay in the rendering of personalized investment advice for compensation shall not be made without first complying with jurisdiction requirements or pursuant to an applicable state exemption. All verbal and written content on this presentation is for information purposes only. Opinions expressed herein are solely those of Blue Jay, unless otherwise specifically cited. Material presented is believed to be from reliable sources and no representations are made by our firm as to other parties' informational accuracy or completeness. All information or ideas provided should be discussed in detail with an advisor, accountant, or legal counsel prior to implementation.